You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, please, to the book of Psalms. We're going to start there, Psalm 19. And while you're turning there, I've got a few things I'd like to show you tonight. I think I scared a few of you. You saw me coming in with a stack of Bibles, and uh, you probably were thinking it's going to be a long message. But how many of you know it's always a long message? Amen? Hallelujah. I'm a, we'll, we'll really preach. It's so cold out there, you don't want to go outside anyway, so want to uh, preach for a while tonight on uh, the subject of the Bible. We sang as a child, and I still sing it because I've got my little girls, and uh, we sing the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I'll stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And you know, I hope that's the way you really feel, that you're going to stand on the Bible even if you have to stand alone. The Bible is a precious book. The Bible is the best-selling book in the history of the world. Over 5 billion copies of the Bible have been sold. You say, well, that's a lot, but what about some of the other real popular books? Well, Harry Potter, that's a pretty popular book, and that sold 150 million, not very close to 5 billion. The... um, Tale of Two Cities has been required reading in many schools for many years, and that book sold $200 million. If you take all of the Agatha Christie mysteries and you add them up, that's about $200 uh, um, million if you add all those up. Uh, but nothing compares to the Bible. Five billion copies. The Koran has sold approximately 500 million copies. The Book of Mormon, 120 million copies. But the Bible, 5 billion copies. The Bible has been burned throughout the centuries. There have been leaders, there have been kings and rulers who have demanded that every scripture be burned and every Bible be banned and every Bible be confiscated. But you know what's amazing? The kings have risen and fallen and the word of God still stands strong and truth is still marching on. I have with me tonight, I have some Bibles I've had over the years. These are not, it's not every single one, but it's most of them. This is the first Bible that I, I, I remember having as a boy. I'm sure I had one before this, but this is similar to like a, a gift and award Bible. I got this from my mom and dad in January of 1988, so I would have been uh, eight, nine years old at the time. This is a precious Bible here. It's got my pastor's signature from Rockford, Pastor Swanson signed it. Uh, Tom Malone, if you ever heard of Tom Malone, he's with the Lord, great man of God. Curtis Hudson, if you ever heard Curtis Hudson preach. But I got this Bible, and this is a Bible that uh, uh, sits on my shelf, and it's uh, got some precious memories. Uh, I've got uh, my youth pastor, Brother Mark Swanson, signed it. Uh, Dr. Jack Hiles signed this Bible. Uh, Brother Johnny Pope, a great preacher, if you've ever heard him. And I had that Bible. Then after that Bible, I got this one, and This one's really, uh, this one I lost the back cover. I don't know where I lost it, but I lost the back cover. 
But I had this Bible for uh, many years, and I marked in this Bible the different times that I, um, that I read through the Bible. Even when I was a boy, I started reading it on um, October 31st, 1988. So again, about eight or nine years old. And I finished it October 15th of the following year. So I read the Bible through in a year just as a boy. And that, by the way, that's a lot. You know that. I mean, for a child, uh, that's a lot. But I had a mom and dad that encouraged me to read the Bible. And I've got this Bible here. And I've got some special days marked in here. Some uh, uh, big days we had at the church. And I've got more signatures. I've got uh, Pastor Jack Treber's signatures on the back on this one. This was when I was just a boy. I've got this Bible here. This Bible, you say, oh, that looks brand new. Well, it is. I never used it. Um, it's, and by the way, these are all King James Bibles, in case you're wondering why I've got so many different ones. But I kept this Bible. I got this for my graduation from high school. It's marked June the 1st, 1997. It was presented by my dad, and who was my pastor at the time. And uh, he wrote a note in here of encouragement. And these are words that are, are very dear, and it's a challenge that he wrote to me. And he signed it with a verse, uh, Joshua 1.8. And he wrote, remember what you do with this book will determine what God does with you. And uh, although I never use this on a daily basis, this Bible right here is a treasure. This is a Bible I got in uh, junior high and high school. And uh, in this Bible, I've got uh, signatures also, and uh, I've got uh, things marked and got verses marked. And uh, Brother uh, Dan, I've got uh, Brother Wally Davis's signature. I think it was the first time I got his signature when he came and preached at our camp. And I've got this Bible, and this was a precious Bible. This was the one I always won sword drills with because it had the thumb index. You know how that works. But I've got those there. Then when I went to uh, college, now this one was before. This one was in my junior year of high school. I, we moved from uh, Rockford, Illinois to Geneseo. And the, uh, the, the class that I was in from kindergarten all the way through my junior year, they bought this Bible for me and they all signed it and they presented it to me. And uh, I used this through the end of high school and I used this some in college and uh, I've got uh, signatures in this Bible, and I've got notes in this Bible, and this is a, this is a, a, a precious Bible uh, for me. And then I've got this one. I had this one through college, and this one's pretty beat up and pretty worn also, um, but uh, I had this in college. I had this when my wife and I uh, got married. I've got some pictures still in here of uh, shortly after we got married, and uh, got my wife and got the two of us in there, and I've got signatures in this Bible also. I've got stickers from, uh, I love my church Sunday. That's where we got the idea. You know, we still do that here now, but I've got uh, stickers in there and got signatures. Got Sam Davison in here and um, I've got uh, Jack Treber and Tony Hudson and all kinds of great preachers in there. I did find in one of my Bibles, I found I had Brother Dan Bybee's signature and so that's good. And Brother Kevin, I'm sure I've got your signature in one of these too, but I've got all these, uh, all these Bibles and precious memories. Then this Bible, uh, Joanna got for me uh, when I uh, taught at Golden State Baptist College, and this was the Bible that I had. I've still got old pictures in there from when Lacey and Savannah were tiny, when they were just practically newborn. But I've got uh, signatures in here, and I've got notes written in here. I've got a nice note from Joanna when she gave this Bible to me. And, you know, with these Bibles, uh, you know, they're marked. And in the back, I've got uh, sermon outlines. And in the back, I've got uh, quotes and prayer lists and just all kinds of things like that. And, 
you know, these Bibles are special to me. These Bibles are treasures to me. Uh, I think it's important that we have a Bible, number one. That, that'd be a good thing to do. I think it's important to have a Bible. I think it's important to use the Bible. I think you need to read it. I think you need to study it. I think it's good to mark the Bible. Uh, I think it's good to uh, underline or to, to, to memorize, to meditate, all those things. But not only for yourself, but I have in my office, I have several Bibles that belong to my dad. And can I tell you, those Bibles are treasures. There wasn't anything else that my dad had, and, and he, I'm sure he had other nice things, but there was not anything else that my dad had that I had to have. There wasn't a computer, there wasn't a television, there wasn't a, a set of golf clubs or anything like that. And if, if you have those things and you pass them down to your children, great. But can I tell you, those Bibles are treasures. You know why? Because they're not just off the shelf and they're not still crisp pages, but the pages are torn and the pages are bent and the Bible's been marked and it's been used and you can see that that is a Bible that was real to my dad. I hope you'll have something you can pass down to your children and your grandchildren, and I hope you'll make the Bible very special. I want you to notice in Psalm 19, that's introduction, Psalm 19, verse number 7, the Bible says about itself, the law of the Lord is, what's the next word? Perfect. That word perfect, and that'll be our first point, the word of God is perfect. That word perfect, now we understand it and we use the word perfect as it's absolutely without error and that is true here. But this word perfect, it means it's complete. It's not missing anything. It's not lacking anything. It is the perfect word of God. It is all here. I'm glad for that. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter, of course, had been with Jesus and he had talked with Jesus, but Peter himself said, hey, I want to tell you, we have here in the Bible, we have a more sure, a more dependable word of prophecy than even the disciples had. We've got it more sure and more solid than the apostles had, than the people that were there with Jesus, because we have the word of God that has been given to us. It has been given as a perfect book. The Bible was written over 1,500 years by about 40 different authors, and it is written without error, without contradiction. Many of the authors never met each other. Many of the authors were not even living in the same time period, but yet this book is the perfect Word of God that has been passed down. The Bible tells us that it wholly Men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, 2 Peter 1, 21. Hundreds of prophecies in this book have been made and all have been fulfilled. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, if you'll turn there with me, John chapter 1, verse number 1, in the beginning was the Word. Well, hang on, you say, the Word? What's the Word? Look at John 1, verse number 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. You say, well, Pastor, I thought we're talking about the Bible. Well, that's what we're talking about. But notice who the Word is in John chapter 1, verse number 14. The Bible says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. 
the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who's the word? It's Jesus. And can I tell you, this book right here is perfect, it's complete, it's entire. And can I tell you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He is perfect, He is complete, He is entire. There's not an error, there's not a contradiction, there's not a mistake. The Bible is perfect. I'm so thankful. The Word of God, the Word of the Lord is perfect. The Bible does not need to be rewritten. It's amazing how many people think that that would make it better. Oh, it's just it's so hard to understand it. Oh, if we could only understand the Bible. It's amazing that we don't modernize Shakespeare. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing that we can still figure that out, but yet the Bible, we want to rewrite the Bible. Friend, the Bible doesn't need to be rewritten. It needs to be reread. The Bible can change you rather than you trying to change the Bible. I'm thankful that God's Word is perfect. This book is inspired. We'll get there in a moment, but 2 Timothy says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is the word of God. Number two, would you go back with me to Psalms, the book of Psalms, and look with me at Psalm 12. Psalm 12. The Bible tells us not only is it perfect, but secondly, we see the Bible is preserved. We believe in our church and we believe uh, as independent Baptists, and uh, unfortunately not all independent Baptists believe this anymore, but we used to. But this church believes and this pastor believes, and as long as uh, the Lord allows me to be here, this is what we will preach and this is what we will believe. But the Bible is the inspired Word of God. It is given to us by God. It's a miraculous book. But not only was the Bible inspired, but the Word of God has been preserved. You see, my dad used to say this all the time. He used to say, inspiration doesn't do you a lot of good if it hasn't been preserved for us today. But if God could inspire His Word, God could also preserve it. And God said He would do it. Notice Psalm 12, verse number 6. The words of the Lord are, what's the next word? Pure. They're perfect. They are undefiled. They are exactly what they need to be. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation. How long? Forever, you mark it down. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And the word of God has been preserved from this generation. Uh, the psalmist said, forever the word of God has been preserved. I'm glad, number one, the Bible, not only is it perfect, but number two, it's preserved. It has been proven over the test of time. Uh, Jesus spoke in Matthew 4. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now think about this. We know that the Bible, this is, our, this is our bread and this is our food. But Jesus said, man cannot live unless man has every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Can I tell you, that's why I believe that this book right here, not only is it perfect, but I believe it's preserved because God said we would need every word to live. 
We would need every word to survive. And I'm thankful that we have the word of God. In our church constitution, in our bylaws, here's what it says about the Holy Scriptures. It says, we believe the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the verbally and plenarily inspired word of God. The Scriptures are inerrant, infallible, and God-breathed, and therefore, they are the final authority. Doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. What matters is what God said. This is our final authority, the word of God. The 66 books of the Old and New Testament are the complete and divine revelation of God to man. The scriptures shall be interpreted according to their literal, grammatical, and historical meaning. We also believe God's word has been divinely preserved. Amen. The King James Version of the Bible shall be the official and only translation used by the church. Now, you can come to church and you can bring another version if you want to. We don't check Bibles at the door or anything like that. But if you're going to stand up in a pulpit or you're going to stand up in a classroom or you're going to stand up in a leadership position in this church, then we're not going to suggest we are going to require that you use the King James Version. You want to know why? Because it's been inspired. You say, well, was the King James Bible inspired? Of course it wasn't. They didn't speak English back in Bible days. But it was inspired in the Hebrews, inspired in the Greek, and it has been preserved through the centuries, and we have a perfect Bible. We have a preserved Bible. Number three, the Word of God is precious. You see, if you look at the Bible as, oh, I got to obey all these rules. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, I can't believe the Bible. If that's how you view the Bible, you're going to live a miserable Christian life. Because the Bible ought to be something that you treasure. It ought to be something you love. It ought to be something that you long for. Psalm 119, 97, the psalmist said, oh, how love I thy law. And by the way, when David wrote, oh, how love I thy law, You know what he was talking about? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He wasn't, he didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have the book of Revelation and the second coming of Christ. He had the Old Testament law, but he said, I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. We ought to meditate on the scripture. We ought to memorize it. We ought to love it. Almost 2,000 languages in the world do not yet have a Bible. And yet we let our Bible sit on the shelf many times. We let the Bible sit on a shelf and collect dust while there are are millions and millions of people in this world. They would give their right arm to have a copy of the Bible. Just to have the Bible in their language, they would be thrilled to death to have a portion. And yet we have the Bible. People have paid the price. Something that is precious, something that is valuable uh, has has come at a great price. John Wycliffe was one man who translated the Bible into the English language. He passed away. He died in 1384. He died before he was convicted of heresy by the church. They hated John Wycliffe so much that 43 years after he was dead, they went and they dug up his bones, the church. They dug up his bones and they burned his bones and they spread his ashes in the river. They hated him so much. But what they did not realize, that just as they spread those ashes in that river, and that river flowed to the uttermost parts of the earth, 
they couldn't stop the Bible that John Wycliffe had translated because the Bible is a precious book. It's a powerful book. It's a perfect book. It's a preserved book. William Tyndale came along after the invention of the printing press. And what a revolutionary invention that was for the sake of the scriptures because William Tyndale printed a translation of the English Bible because of his work in making the Bible available to the common people. William Tyndale was strangled and burned at the stake. You say, how come? Because of this book right here. He was offered the chance to recant. He was offered the chance to, to back off and say, no, I don't believe this book. But he refused and he died a martyr's death so that you and I could have a copy of the Word of God. Can I tell you, people felt like this book was precious enough to give their lives for. On August the 28th of this year, there was a Bible translator in the country of Cameroon. This translator was there, he and his wife, the only reason he was there was to translate the Bible into the language of those people. Some men came in at night with machetes. They butchered this man and killed this man. His wife's arm was chopped off in the attack and all because they were in a place they weren't necessarily planning to be except God called them. And they followed the call to translate the scriptures because they felt like the Bible was valuable enough to give their lives and to risk their lives. God's word is perfect, number one. Number two, it's preserved. Number three, it's precious. Number four, God's word is profitable. Would you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter three? We've uh, referenced this verse, but we've not actually looked at it yet. But we, you've got to see this, these verses. And I hope some of these verses, I hope you have them memorized and hope you'll hide them in your heart. 2 Timothy three, verse number 16. The Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Hallelujah for inspiration. You know what inspiration is? Inspiration is not like we use the word, oh, uh, uh, so-and-so, they really inspired me to do something. That's not what that word is. This word, inspiration, literally means God breathed. The book that you and I hold in our hands is a book that God, he breathed. I tell you, if we really believe that, we'd read it more. If we really believe that, we'd obey it more. If we really believed it, we'd tell others about it because this is a book that is inspired by God. Notice with me what it says, that it is profitable, verse number 16, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, complete, truly furnished unto all good works. Can I tell you number four, the word of God is profitable. This book will help you. This book will change you. This book will correct you. This book will correct me. This book is a convicting book. Boy, how many times have you been sailing along and then a preacher stands up and just preaches the Bible and you say, ooh, I'm not supposed to be doing that. I'm not supposed to be talking like that. I'm not supposed to be going to that place. 
It's, it's, so, it's so powerful and so amazing to me when someone will come, and I haven't preached on it recently, but somebody will come and say, God's been dealing with my heart about such and such. And I'm thinking, well, that's the Lord because I've never told you that. And I've never said, I've never called you up or I've never gone to your house or I've never pulled you aside, but the Holy Spirit through the word of God convicts us through the Bible. It's a profitable book. It's a helpful book. It's a beneficial book. Number five, God's word is powerful. Would you turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter four? Hebrews chapter four, thank you for turning the pages. That uh, is a wonderful sound to a preacher especially when the pages turning drowns out the snoring. Oh, that, make, that makes such a difference. So turn those pages real loud, if you will. Hebrews 4, verse number 12. Are you there? If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say oh me. No, no, you don't have to say that. And if you don't think you'll ever get there, say go on. Okay, good. We're all there, or at least we're trying. Verse 12. Would you read with me if, uh, Hebrews 4, 12? For the... Word of God is quick and powerful. The Word of God is quick. That means it's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's Word is powerful. Did you know the Bible can change your life? It has that much power. I have, I have seen... People whose lives have been transformed by the Bible. I'll tell you this, it's transformed my life. Because if I didn't believe the Bible, I'm wasting my time. If I didn't believe the Bible, I promise you one thing, I wouldn't have loaded up from Illinois and moved my wife to California if I didn't believe the Bible. And if I didn't believe the Bible was true. I certainly wouldn't have loaded up my wife and my uh, twin babies and brought them to North Carolina where I really didn't know anybody if I didn't believe the Bible and if I didn't believe the Bible was worth preaching. But I want to tell you something. This book is powerful. It'll change your life. It'll make a drunkard sober. It'll make a liar tell the truth. It'll make a lazy man want to work. The Bible can change your heart and your mind and it can transform you you see, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Bible has the power to change your life. You don't believe that? Creation took place because God spoke the worlds into existence. That's a powerful word. That's a powerful God. Jesus calmed the storms, the waves and the wind and, the, and on the storms that were beating on that boat. And Jesus spoke his words, peace, be still. And they said about Jesus, they said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Can I tell you, this is a powerful book that you and I have in our possession. It's the Bible. Jesus, in Revelation 19, we see the prophecy that Jesus will defeat all of the armies of the world at the battle of Armageddon with the word of his mouth. Can I tell you, the word of God is powerful. It says in Isaiah 55, 11, the word of God will not return void. It will not return empty. It will not return without effect. That's why the tailors will go to Mexico to preach and to teach the Bible because they know there's power in the Word of God. 
There's power in the gospel. There's power in the seeds that are sown of the Bible, the word of God. We have the privilege, friend, to teach the Bible. We have the privilege to share the Bible. We have the privilege to read the Bible. We have the word of God, and it is so powerful. Number six, would you turn back with me to Psalm 1? In your Bibles, we're talking about the Bible. And I told you earlier, we saw in Jeremiah, we saw how that God's people were backslidden because the Word of God became a reproach. It became a disgrace. It became a shame. It was something that they had a dislike and a distaste for. They didn't want it. And they became backslidden and God judged them. And so how much ought we to get the Bible in our lives? Number six, God's Word, the Bible causes us to prosper. Would you notice Psalm 1, talking about the blessed man, the happy man, the successful man, the prosperous man, says in verse number 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. In his law doth he meditate every Sunday. Is that what it says? And maybe an occasional Wednesday. No, no, no. In his law doth he meditate day and night. It's constant. It's all the time. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. Is that what you want for your life? Because that's exactly what I'm looking for. I want the blessing of God. I want God to look down and say, there's a success right there. There's a person who is blessed. There's a person who has done it right. And the Bible causes us to prosper. Revelation chapter one, the Bible tells us there is a specific blessing that is promised for he that heareth and he that readeth the words of the prophecy of Revelation. Now, you say, well, explain that to me. I can't explain it to you. It's miraculous. But God said so. And if God said so, I believe it. There's a blessing if you just read it. You say, I don't always get something out of it. I don't always get something out of it either, but I'm still supposed to read it. And guess what I find? I never get anything out of it if I don't read it. Boy, that's rocket science right there. You got to read it. And there's a blessing for hearing it. I'm telling you, we are so blessed. We've got so much technology. Did you know you can get the Bible uh, on your phone and you can push a button and somebody will read the Bible to you everywhere you go. And there's a blessing when you get the Bible in you by hearing it. And there's a blessing for reading the word of God. God promised that. Take your Bibles to Joshua chapter one. If you notice this verse, Joshua chapter one. Say, Pastor, how much longer are you going to be? Well, I've got nine more Bibles here, and I'm still on the first one, so we might be here a while. Joshua chapter 1, the Bible says in verse number 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. I think we're getting the idea that we're supposed to read it. We're supposed to study it. We're supposed to uh, uh, immerse ourselves in the Bible. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein, there it is again, day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have 
good success. It's guaranteed. You get in the Bible, you read it, you meditate on it, you obey the Bible, you are guaranteed that you will be successful. I didn't say wealthy. I said successful. You're guaranteed that you will be prosperous. You're, you're guaranteed that you will be blessed by God. And I'm not making that guarantee. God himself is making that guarantee. And when you stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, I promise you this. You will not say, Lord, I need a rain check. I need a refund. I read the Bible so much. I studied it so much. I memorized it so much and I obeyed it so much and I had a miserable life. So Lord, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need some payback on that. No, no, God's given you a guarantee. Your life will be blessed if you'll get in this book right here. Boy, what a conviction that is. Number seven, not only does God's word cause us to prosper, not only is it powerful and profitable and precious, it's preserved and it's perfect. But number seven, God's word must be practiced. It must be practiced. That doesn't do you any good during the week if the Bible's sitting on the shelf and you never pick it up. It doesn't, it doesn't help your marriage if the Bible's sitting on the shelf and you're not reading it. It does not help your kids. It may help them to see the Bible, but it's probably going to do more damage because they see it there and it never gets read. That might be a problem. But this book must be practiced just because we tuck it under our arm and carry it to church. That's not enough. Just because, we, uh, just because we, we set it on the shelf or just because we stash it in the car or just because we put it in the trunk, that's not the answer. The Bible must be practiced. Joshua 1, uh, observe, the Bible says, to do according to all that is written there and to do what it says. James chapter 1, the Bible says that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, it's good to hear the Bible. That's the first step. The Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's good to hear, but that's just the first step. That's not the whole thing. The Bible, you must hear it, you must read it, but then you must practice it. You must do what it says. I don't know if you see these uh, emails or these posts or whatever like I do, but it, it's hilarious to me. 15 life hacks that will save you time and save you money. You know, have you ever have you heard that expression, life hacks? You know what I'm talking about? Like it's, it's shortcuts. It's things that'll, that are, that are going to be easier and cheaper and better. And oh, you just, you don't realize what four paper clips and a coat hanger and two rubber bands. I mean, you just have no idea all the gadgets you're missing out on and your life could be so much easier. And, and you know, you got to read this blog to find out how to save, you know, two seconds making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But I mean, this is, this is serious business. I mean, these life hacks. Well, I've got, I've got a life hack for you. Just do what this says. Just read it. Just, just obey it. Just, just do what 
God's already told you to do. And guess what? He promised what the result would be. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.